Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, someone I've wanted to interview for a long time, we have Casey Newton, the founder and editor of Platformer, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Casey, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you so much for having me, Alexis. Oh my God, this is such a pleasure. I'm truly very excited. All week, I've been like, ooh, I get to talk to Casey on Friday. Well, you know, it's rare that I schedule a conversation thinking that it's gonna be fun, but this felt like (laughs) it was gonna belong in that category. How are we doing so far? You know, like most podcasts, we warmed up with 15 minutes of technical difficulties. That's right. and, you know, now we're just now we're just ready to rock and roll, baby. That's right. I like to start low so that there's nowhere yeah. to go but up. <laughs> I'm excited to have you. Are you ready to dive in? Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's unpack. Enough, enough of these pleasantries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get down to yeah. brass tacks. Yeah. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Main Street. Every day when I log on to Twitter, I'm greeted by Nick Abuzade's smiling face besides a promoted tweet about Main Street asking me if I am a seed stage startup. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, but you might be. So founders, here's the deal. You're owed more than $50,000 in tax credits from the government, seriously. And Main Street can get it back for you in 20 minutes. The truth is that the first 30 to 50,000 times I saw ads for Main Street, I thought it sounded too good to be true. But then Nick gave me the rundown. The U.S. government annually sets aside $100 billion for startups. Main Street connects directly into your payroll system to find which of those credits and incentives apply to your business. Then they'll advance you on the cash you're owed in real time at 0% interest. Oh, and 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash non-technical. Casey Newton is the founder and editor of Platformer, a publication about the intersection of tech and democracy. Prior to founding Platformer in October 2020, Newton was the longtime Silicon Valley editor of The Verge. While at The Verge, his stories on the lives of American content moderators for Facebook and Google sparked a national conversation about the working conditions for this essential but often neglected part of the workforce and was a finalist for the National Magazine Award for Reporting. The weekly free edition of Platformer now reaches more than 40,000 people. In April, he announced Side Channel, a community he runs with seven other independent journalists and interviewed Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on their Discord server. Casey, you've been busy. <laughs> it has been a, a wild seven months for sure, uh, but it's been great too. Awesome. Uh, I'm a subscriber. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Well, that means a lot to me. It's, it Doesn't it feel good to support independent journalism? <laughs> I think it feels fantastic to support independent journalism. I like supporting independent creators of all kinds. I can't help it. Here, if your listeners are looking for a new self-care routine, support mm-hmm. an independent journalist. You will feel better about yourself. I couldn't agree more. I start my day with 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of supporting creators on the internet. (laughs) And look what it's done for your skin. You're you're radiant. And for our listeners, I'm glowing. Is that right? Yeah. It's it's incredible. And I meant to say you're glowing as well from your daily ritual of supporting the independent creator economy. Ever since I started supporting creators, my skin cleared up. I'm sleeping better at night. It's a wonder drug of sorts. It really is. Wow. We made it three minutes before someone said creator economy. May I just say? (laughs) Pretty damn good. That doesn't happen very often in Silicon Valley (laughs) these days. I know. That's a record. That's a high score. 
<laughs> oh man, I am really truly excited to talk to you. And, and one of the reasons, as I mentioned to you before, is that I think you're so funny. I laugh out loud frequently when I read your Twitter. Thank you. I think Twitter should be used for two things. Like one is obviously just to promote yourself because why else would anyone be there? Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. the other main thing is is just to tell jokes, you know, yeah. because like 90% of people want to be so serious all the time. Obviously, we have a lot of crises in the world. I understand yes. it. Yes. I'm not I'm not saying to stop, but just for me personally, yes. I like to read jokes and I like yep. to tell jokes. And so Same. let's leave it there on Twitter is how I feel. That's beautiful. That's thought leadership on Twitter, personally, Ooh. if I may say. Yeah. Your pinned tweet made me laugh out loud when I read it. You said, a common mistake I see people making on Twitter is trying to have a conversation about anything. I mean, you know this is where all of the problems start on Twitter. It really is. <laughs> You'll say something, but you will have failed to account for every facet of the human experience in 280 characters, and, and a man is going to let you know about it. Yes, he is. Yes, he yeah. is. Yes, he mm -hmm. is. I tweet almost exclusively jokes and every once in a while mm -hmm. someone thinks I'm serious and I'm like, ah, discourse. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I pinned that tweet is now when people start conversations with me, I can just send them that tweet and say, yes. don't make me tap the sign. A hundred percent. That's beautiful. Yeah. I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised when I learned that you were also maybe slash still are on an improv team, but that was sort of a moment where it all came together. It all made a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll probably have time later to get into my improv hobby. But yes, it, it is a thing that I do and has brought great joy to my life. I am absolutely going to ask you more about that because obviously, I, I say obviously, <laughs> I also do improv. I guess I just assume people spend two minutes talking to me and are like, oh, that girl does improv. Yep, yep, that checks out. <laughs> Yeah, there's sort of like a retired theater kid energy that I think people can just smell on us. <laughs> it's so true. It really yeah. just stays with you forever. Yeah, you have to just channel it into something productive or otherwise you're still going to be singing the music man when you're walking around town in your 40s. I couldn't agree more. So Casey, how did you spend your last day off? Well... <laughs> so, okay. So as you may know, Alexis, we're in a pandemic. So it's, it's, it I hasn't did. afforded a, a lot of recent opportunities to like get out and do amazing things. And also I've been starting this company. And so that it makes it challenging to take a day off. But totally. not too long ago, my friend had his for his birthday mm. and his little nephew, who's like five or six, had his birthday on the same day. Aww. And so we went to an outdoor circus in the <gasps> parking lot of a like city hall somewhere on the peninsula. Oh my God. That is wholesome. That is family fun. That's a lovely way mm. to spend a day off. It was, and yet it was also like chilling. <laughs> in terms of what will I remember about this apocalypse, it's like yes. being in a line of cars <laughs> sort of inching into this parking lot and there's jugglers and girls yeah. on horses and yeah. everyone's smiling, but also yeah. they're wearing masks. Oh. Yeah. And then it's, you can park, make sure you stay in your car at all times. Oh, oh, oh. This was not a piece of information I knew. So this was a car-based attendance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. A car-based outdoor parking Oof. lot mm -hmm. circus. Mm -hmm. When people ask me about the pandemic forever, I will just yeah. say, I went to a circus inside yep. a car in a parking lot, and that was how we entertained ourselves. Wow. Outdoor parking lot circus. Great name for an improv team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm excited that you got to see that. Maybe that's in the cards for me one day. 
I mean, you could probably still find one of these. I mean, that's that's the nice thing about the circus is it's always on the road. Always on the road. It'll come by your neighborhood one of these days. Okay, I have more questions about the car aspect. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. not, I'm not past it. I'm not past it. Yeah. Were the windows yeah. up or down? The windows were down. Could you hear the circus? We can, but like we tuned to a, like a local AM radio oh, station that yeah, was like baby. playing. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, drive-in yeah. style. Drive-in style, and and we got to hear. It. And it was who knows if this was real or not. But they tell you that it's like a you know 150 year old Italian circus that they oh. brought to us from like Sicily. Oh, I mean, it was probably started like in 1989 yeah, in like yeah, yeah. Pacifica or something. Sure. But they told us it was this Italian circus, and so you know there was mm. a lot of whimsical Italian circus music happening. Wow. Whimsical Italian circus music. It's funny because I do feel like I know exactly what you mean. Right. But in my opinion, there's only one song at the circus, which is the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Is that whimsical Italian circus? It was, although they did not play that specific song, which was one of my big criticisms. That's like if you go see a band and they don't play their top hit. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the circus was just like, that's played out. Like, we're over <sighs> it. Okay, that, that was our hit. I'm going to play something off the new album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The circus was doing a lot of things off the new album and it was extremely suspicious. Damn. Hmm. All right. Well, that's a bummer. Hopefully the next time that you attend an outdoor parking lot circus, they stick to the hits. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Thank you. So that's certainly that's what I'm going to post on my Yelp review. When okay. I get around to it. Casey, have you ever been known as the something person, whether in high school or college or at work or anything like that? Besides theater kid, I think one thing, I, I don't know that my friends would describe me this way, but I am the summary person <gasps> when people are asking about the plots of television shows that we've been watching <laughs> oh, together yes. as friends. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Particularly in my like early mid twenties, we'd go to my friend's house on on Sunday nights, and we would watch Desperate Housewives. Mm -hmm. We'd watch Grey's Anatomy, and inevitably yes. someone would show up who like hadn't been there the previous week. Ooh, okay. like, well, you know what's going on, and then everyone just sort of turned to me, mm, and then mm. you know, in three senses, I would have them covered. So that's a huge skill, actually. It actually plays into my real life job because I've always summarized yes. it. I mean, I think this is like why I became this person is yeah. because in journalism, you're always trying to synthesize a lot of information into yes. a few sentences. When you first said the summary person, I thought you meant the season. <laughs> like you are just no. <laughs> a boy of the summer, a summer child. They're like, Casey, yes. Newton, that guy has printed shorts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I famously hate the sun. I will cross you the really? street to be in the shade. Yes. Alexis, look at my skin. Do I look like I've spent any time in the sun in the past 14 months? You look like you spent a good 10 minutes a day supporting the creator economy. <laughs> That's right. When you spend as much time supporting the creator economy as I do, you don't have a lot of time to get That's out our there secret. and get some rays. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I'm not a summary person. I do okay. I do like like the beach. Like I like going to the ocean. Other than that, not a not a summary okay. person in that way. Famously not. Okay, yeah. but a summary person in the way that you synthesize information well, which I really do think is a skill because when summarizing a show or a movie or whatever, there's a certain level of detail you can't include and a certain level that you have to include. And people get this really wrong. So kudos yes. to you. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll meet a new person and they're telling you a story. I think of, you know, Lyft drivers, like always mm. want to tell you a story about mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. and it is never a concise story. No. You know, it, there's no, no, no. many branching mm -hmm. paths. It, you yeah. know, it takes 40 minutes and I want to help these people tell shorter mm -hmm. stories. A, you're doing the Lord's work. Thank you. <laughs> and B, it sounds like your friends, I like that they look to you to be the guy now. 
every friend has their role to play, you know, mm-hmm. and some, some of my friends do like actually helpful things. And I just yeah. summarize TV shows. So I don't know. It's not bad. At least you're not what I've ended up becoming. My lot in life is I make the reservations. I find the restaurant oh, and make the reservations. Casey, that's how did I get into this? I, mean, I know, but oh, come on. Like, I don't want to be this person. Wait, let me ask this. Yeah. Okay. So you're trying to get into a restaurant and mm-hmm. you had like a table of like, I'm going to say four and mm-hmm. you had a reservation and it's like Saturday at eight and then a fifth oh. friend wants to come. Will you make that call and somehow get them to put you of at a completely different table? Yeah. And you, you will do this? Oh my God. Yes, I, I have hives thinking about this. Absolutely. I'll do that. I will call the restaurant. I'm always nice. I am not the person that's like, actually, we were supposed to be seated 10 minutes ago. Pro tip for everybody. It is just so much more effective to be nice. I bet you're also great uh, at sending food back too. I bet you really sort of take care of the person when you're sending stuff back. I think I've only done that in my life once. One time? Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I don't do it a lot, but I actually think that that's another skill that I have. I always make the person feel loved when the food doesn't taste right. Casey, you're a great friend. This is what I'm learning about you. You're summarizing TV shows. You're politely sending food back. What I will do is if there's a situation with the table, as in, like you said, if there are not enough seats or if there's like a different table we might prefer, I have no problem pleasantly, politely making that happen. We would be good at a dinner together. We would cover all the bases. We would have all of the bases covered. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Awesome. Can't wait. In the afterworld. Yes. Yes. So is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? And that could be fashion, workout, cultural, anything like that. Yeah. Well, and I still participate in it and it's called improv. Uh, So we did get to it. Yes. Yes. And. (laughs) Yes. And. So. You know, improv is just adults doing make-believe. I know. That's how I describe it. (laughs) Go to any preschool. All the four-year-olds are doing improv. And then most of them stop by, like, first grade. And I'm 40, and I'm Mm -hmm. still doing it. Mm -hmm. And I did start improv because I wanted a hobby. Too much Mm. of my life had become work. And so I was like, okay, I need to, like, make meaning that is not my job. Yes. It's been great in that respect, but you know, like I'll be on dating apps and stuff. And like, you always want to brag about your mm. hobbies, like make yourself oh. seem interesting. And the first mm. thing you learn about improv is there is not one person who thinks it's sexy, like even yeah. at all. Oh, you know what I mean? Right. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, I do. It's I like do. saying that you play jazz. Like people are yeah. just kind of like, mm-hmm. mm, like, is this oh. going to be a whole thing? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to come watch? Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people get bad secondhand embarrassment for people doing improv. Do you have any friends like that? Yes, I do. I watch improv all the time and I want to jump out of my skin because I was like, this is horrifying. I try in those moments to switch into my intellectual brain and think mm-hmm. like, what are they going for? What are they, what what move are they trying to make yeah. in the scene? No, I have a trauma response. I shut down emotionally. Mm-hmm. I try to pretend that I'm somewhere else. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Mm-hmm. I completely understand. Yeah, I've never once thought I'm about to flex on this person and then <laughs> drop the knowledge that I participate in improv comedy. Well, so I'll tell you how I, I got into it was I was telling my roommate at the time, too much of my life is work, like I need a hobby. And he said, have you ever thought about doing improv? The second he mm. said it, I was sort of like, that makes a lot of sense. And yes. it turned out that his brother was sort of big in improv scene in San Francisco. So he told me about all the schools here. And so I yeah. did a drop-in class and then I uh, really liked it. And so a couple of months, months later, I started taking real classes there. And, you know, it's so awesome. I hadn't been a student in 20 years. You forget how easy it is to make friends when you are a student. Like the best friends I have made in the past four years are all people who I met 
doing improv. So that's been awesome. Totally. Which school did you take classes at? I went to Leela. It's a Sanskrit word meaning play. <laughs> did you do improv uh, in San Francisco? Yes. So I actually started doing improv for the same reason that you did. Oh my God. Too much tech, too much work. I felt like every aspect of my life was ultimately born from tech and my job. And improv was a way for me to re-pick up a hobby I had when I was younger. I mean, a passion when I was younger, which is acting, but do it as a hobby. So I did improv. I love this. Which school? End games. Okay, well, so in the after times, we're gonna have to like do improv things together. I'm like getting oh very Casey, excited about that this. Would be, I have been getting excited about this ever since I found your improv troops Instagram page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're called Luxury Cruise Singles Mixer. And you have performed at a number of places that my old improv team performed as well. Piano Fight. Yes. Yeah, we used to rehearse a piano fight every week. Nice. In the basement or in the... <laughs> in the basement, which we began yes. calling the murder room because it did look like yeah. the setting from Saw, you know, where it's For just sure. like weird stains everywhere. The one with the yellow walls, the gold kind of colored walls. Yeah, there are like three or four murder rooms yeah. down there and we would be in a different one every week. Each is murdery and I, I say that with love. And by the yeah. way, I say that with love is it's like saying no offense. Right? Yeah. It's like, but it's for moms mostly, I think. <laughs> I say this with love. <laughs> Alexis, you don't know what the back of your hair looks like. <laughs> That's a real quote from my mom. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she was right, but did I need to know? You didn't. She could have. I didn't. Said that. Yeah. So, Piano Fight, you actually performed there. I was just looking at the calendar. You performed there in 2019, like 12 days before my team did. We were no so way. ships in the night on the stages oh of Piano Fight. Gosh. I, I mean, again, like I, I choose to think of this just in terms of things to get excited about. Um, totally. You know, like, there's the San Francisco Improv Festival every year, and then also the Sketchfest every year. So, like, my team would usually perform yes. at both of those. And Yes, you were at Sketchfest in 2020, and so was my improv team. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, you know, like, I'm sure that, like, we were at, like, the same show and just, like, walked by each Don't other you think? and didn't know it. Yeah. I would say that we were probably in the same, like, bar area at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I probably, like, accidentally spilled just one splash of my beer on your back and didn't even realize sure. it. Yeah. But the thing is, if you had, though, we would already be friends. We would. All we needed was the kindling. Like, yeah. you can just tell. That's all it would have taken. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's such a more modern way now to become friends by going on each other's podcast. I just feel like that's how people meet now. <laughs> Wow. I would love to be able to be like, what a funny joke. Except that... <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, like I don't I don't know why you do this. I go on podcasts for socialization, you know, yeah. just talk to humans. It feels important in this time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is all a long con for me to make friends. <laughs> I was yeah, getting very one. lonely and I thought I'll start a podcast. <laughs> no, I came out of the womb knowing I would start a podcast, but that's definitely, the friend thing is definitely like an incredible bonus that has yeah, resulted. That is a huge bonus. Wow. Well, Luxury Cruise Singles Mixer, I want to see your team as soon as humanly possible because it sounds yes. great. Also love the name. Thank you. I actually don't like the name and it was started before I joined the team. And oh. I proposed changing it many times and everyone's already like, well, I mean, we already have like an Instagram handle. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're going to like pick a new, then mm -hmm. we have to like do a whole new insert. And, yeah, a rebrand. You know, it's just a non-starter. No one wants to do a rebrand for an improv team. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're right. I think that you're yeah. right. But you know what, Casey? That's because they haven't heard Outdoor Parking Lot Circus yet. Outdoor Parking Lot Circus. <laughs> <laughs> if you and I started an improv team... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be called that. I had this name that I wanted to use for when I was still mm-hmm. taking classes. I was talking to a friend. We were doing karaoke mm-hmm. and we were talking about like two people that hooked up like on a night out of the town. Yeah. And, and my yeah. friend said it was a total DFMO. And I was like, DFMO? Oh, and she said yeah. dance floor makeout. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the best improv team name I have it's ever amazing. heard. Because That's dance amazing. floor makeout sounds cool, but DFMO sounds even cooler. So it's like, yeah, it just, you sort of win both ways. So I was going to start that team with four other people and then two stopped doing improv and the other one moved (gasps) away. So, (gasps) but but moved away and was like, you can't use the name. And I was like, well, come on. Frankly, I think they moved away. They were intimidated. They wouldn't be able to live up to the name. I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) not trying to make assumptions about your friends. I'm just saying they heard the name. They thought I cannot possibly live up to this. I think you're hundred percent right. I'm sorry to say that on air, on record. It's it's okay. This podcast goes there, and that's what I. It does go there. Yeah. And I would say that famously controversial comedian Alexis Gay, you know what you're getting into. Exactly. I I signed up for the hot seat. So, and and now here I am. Good. So, speaking of, is there anything Mm -hmm. that your family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal, but then later you realized was extremely weird? Yeah. I'm going to say watching Dateline NBC together. Regularly? In the 90s, you can't overstate how often Dateline NBC was. It was on eight nights a week, you know? Yeah. And every night, it seemed like it would be, you know, eight or nine o'clock. And me and my little Mm -hmm. brother are in the family room. And we sit down. And within seconds, we're watching a spouse murdering another spouse. Oh, sure. There's a moral panic about the new drugs that kids are doing. (laughs) Kids are having sex. I mean, it was like the clickbait of its day. Yes. And we would just watch it. We would never discuss it. I mean, we would just like oh. sit there. Another woman has been murdered. Great. Yeah. Uh, when is <laughs> Frasier coming on? At the time, it did not seem weird. Looking back, I'm like, why did I watch 90 hours of Dateline yes. NBC with my family? Did your parents watch it too? I mean, that's why we watched it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, you know what, what your family may have been like, but in my mm. family, my dad owned the remote control and no one Mm -hmm. was really allowed to touch the remote control when dad had picked it up. Well, it's funny you say that this was normal to you at the time. And now you recognize that it's weird because I think I had a very similar experience, but not with Dateline with shows like cold case files. (laughs) Do you know how many hours of cold case files I've watched? And I'm using the brand name cold case files, but I mean those generic shows that go back in vivid, excruciating detail, documentary style to unpack the murder of usually a young woman. Yes. So I've seen so many episodes of the show, but it was because of my dad and we would just watch it. My mom wasn't even participating. Just me and my dad watching some murder is like the summary of my childhood. (laughs) Why? Why is this like our great American pastime? I don't know. And then to say nothing of Law and Order, which is a puff piece compared to Cold Case Files. But I mean, I watched all of it. Every crime. I've seen all the crimes. (laughs) And it's like, is there something weird about the fact, obviously, we live in a nightmare country where there's like these mass shootings, like, you know, every other day. And I think we've just sort of all agreed that that's like super horrible. And we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. that with the utmost sensitivity. Yes. But if only one person was murdered, let's make a little entertainment about that. That could be a really fun hour-long program. I can't agree with that point more. And it is so wild to me. The levity that is brought to murder these days, it's truly unbelievable. It's also like some of the topics that they would go into on these shows. I I don't want to watch that with my dad. It would be like, well, over here, you'll see the semen. I'm like, Oh my God. 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 
Yeah. At the time, that was a normal thing. At the time, it was just like, that's just what families did, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. It was insane. The great American pastime of watching some murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least yeah. we both went through something like that. So it is weird, probably, but I bet we're not. I know we're not alone, in fact. You know what? I know we're not alone, but I think it's time to not normalize watching yeah. nightly news magazines with your family. Keep that to yourself. What is the term for unnormalizing things? Let's stigmatize it. Yeah, let's stigmatize watching murders with your family. (laughs) That's beautiful. Honestly, normalize stigmatizing more things that are wrong. (laughs) Exactly. Clap emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. So, Casey, what's the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? The tiniest hill that I'm willing to die on is that Chopped is a show about social inequality. Wow. Yeah. One of my pandemic hobbies has been watching the Food Network TV show Chopped. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the show? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in case you haven't seen it, they bring in four chefs. They're presented with a basket of mystery ingredients. They have a very short amount of time to turn them into something mm-hmm. delicious. And if their dish doesn't cut it, they will get chopped. Wow. Incredible summary. Thank you Beautiful. so much. Thank you for flexing that muscle. Some yeah. have said. I can't believe I, I'm really just schwitzing over <laughs> here. I can't believe I got to see it in person. <laughs> I, you know, it didn't even occur to me that I was going to get to demonstrate the superpower, but I'm so glad that I did get that chance. You did. Yes. It happened naturally. So look, it's impossible not to just like root for chefs, right? Because like being a chef is an incredibly difficult job, you know, both in terms of like the creativity, but the execution, it's physical. It's like a very athletic in a way. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mm because this is America, we pay these people nothing, right? So on Chop, they're competing for $10,000, a good amount of money in Silicon Valley, right? That's like a a good Tuesday afternoon, you know, for you, right? So they bring in these people and they bring in two kinds of chefs. There is a typically like a white chef who, when they Mm -hmm. ask that chef, why do you want to win? He'll always say something like, well, you know, my wife loves Paris and I'd really love to take her back this summer. Right. And then you have these other chefs, which is like, you know, a child of immigrants Mm -hmm. or like formerly incarcerated Mm -hmm. or in recovery from like Mm -hmm. drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And winning Chopped would be the thing that would keep them stable, like, and in housing and maybe let them reach their dream of, like, opening a restaurant, right? Yeah. Life-changing opportunity. Yes. Seven times out of ten, these are the chefs that get Chopped because, you know, it's like, well, you know, the Mandarin really overshadowed the kale, so we're going to have to chop you. Oh, my God. And then the jerk chef gets to take his wife back to Paris. And, I'm, and like, you cannot watch this show without just saying, like, we need to raise taxes on billionaires. <laughs> it Like, watching Chop is turning me into a communist. Every time one wow. of these, these other chefs gets chopped, I'm like, please give them $10,000. Like, give all yeah. of them $10,000 yeah. immediately. Yes. Do you think they get compensated for participating at all? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think they get a they have a free trip to New York. So so there's there's some okay. something there. Sure. I mean, the, the way the show is presented is like one person gets ten thousand dollars and everyone else gets nothing. I will say, like the very American thing about Chop, like if you compare it to something like the Great British Bake Off. Yes, which I love. The Great British Bake Off, obviously, it's a show about like celebrating people, right? It's like, did you fail? Yeah. It doesn't oh. matter, you're beautiful. We love you. Okay. Um, you know, yes. so that's why everybody loves it. In Chopped, they don't even really congratulate the winner because uh. no one wins the show. It's just they run out of people to chop. Oh my God. The culmination of every episode is like, you got chopped, and here's why. I guess that means you, Phil, you're the winner. Oh All right, God. and that's, they're rolling the credits. Like, yeah, wow. that's it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Phil. is insane. I cannot stop. It's an incredible. I've watched 400 episodes of it this year. It's amazing. 
Wow. You know, that, first of all, Incredible Hill. And also, I hate watching the faces of competition shows losers when they show them finding out they've lost. And I hate it so much that sometimes I will look away from the screen because I'm too sad. I'm sad. I don't like to watch people's dreams get taken from them on TV. They ask all these people, why are you here? And like often it's like, you know, I just, you know, my mom said I could, you know, never do anything. And, you know, now now that I'm out of prison, like I finally got a job and they get chopped because their carrots weren't all cut the same size. And they interview them on the way out. And it's like, "Eh." so like, what do you think about losing? And oh my my gosh, watching these people just be like, you know what? I might not have come out on top today, but I know in my heart, I'm still a winner. And I'm like over here crying because I'm just like, you are, you are a winner. Don't listen to Ted Allen. I don't have the constitution to endure that on a regular basis. I don't even like on Drag Race when queens go home, I get (laughs) sad for them. It's it's the same thing. I mean, like that's one of the really revolutionary things about Drag Race was like, that is also a show that was like taking a lot of people who did not have a lot of money, people of color, like people who are formerly incarcerated and giving them a a platform to show what they could do. And yeah, they're not making a lot of money on their way out. In fact, I just read a story about like every year it's getting more expensive to be on that show because you're expected to have even crazier and crazier looks. I'm sure. Oh my God, I'm sure. Also, speaking of cash prizes that are way inequitable for the amount of work put in a hundred thousand dollars for winning that season i think is ridiculous no it's not enough here's my hot take i think if you win any sort of competition reality show Mm -hmm. you should win at least a million (gasps) dollars that is a hot take because let me tell you what everybody's making these shows they have a million dollars to give you okay yeah they absolutely do who are they giving it to freaking you know viacom shareholders come on Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. I think 100000 was so ridiculous because when you think about how much gets taken out in taxes, it's not really winnings. I mean, in San Francisco, that'll get you like four salads at mixed greens. Yeah, truly. Yeah. I mean, if I ever go on a reality show, I'm going to become a resident of Florida for a full calendar year first. <laughs> <laughs> Miami, get at me. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, happy Miami Tech Week to you. I don't know if you celebrate. Casey, I meant to say happy Miami Tech Week to you as well. So rude of me that we were not greeting each other and that that salutation. <laughs> Oh Oh my my. God. So Casey, what is something non-work related that you're really Mm. proud of? So not to go back to my improv well again. I would prefer that you dip right back into that well. It's my happy place. (laughs) Is your improv well. <laughs> so a thing that I'm really proud of is that in the before times, my team would organize shows around the city. There's this awesome venue in the Mission called the Secret Alley. There's like kind of a tiny stage. There are indoor mm-hmm. trees on the second floor of this art space. It's like indoor Burning Man, which is like the only kind of Burning Man I'm interested in. <laughs> and we would go out to friends, family, and we would bring in mm-hmm. like 50 or 60 people. We would always bring in a stand-up. All but one of the stand-ups we ever had was was a woman. Yes. And, and then we would go and we would bring in other improv teams and they would perform and then we would do a set. And then afterwards, people would hang out. We would play music. People could bring their own beer and wine. It, w- it was like kind of an art show that turned into yeah, a house party. Awesome. When I first came to San Francisco, you know, as like a gay dude, I just had this sense of like, oh, this was where I I was supposed to be the whole time you know like, mm. like these are the humans that i want to be around mm. because there was such great texture to the city and because of our housing crisis and everything else san francisco has gotten way less bohemian right it's like mm-hmm. gotten less totally. queer it's totally. gotten less artsy and yeah. the thing that i'm proud of is just trying in my own small way to like bring a little bit of that back doing something for its own sake yeah for a small yes. group of people but hopefully everyone who left would say 
wow, that was a really awesome time. And, you know, by the time the pandemic hit, we'd had people who'd come to see us like 14, 15 times. And it just became like a a little community. So that's like the thing that I, like the first time we do one of our shows at the Secret Alley again, I'm just going to feel like we've truly made it through the the fire. Oh my God. Wow. I love what you said about creating it for the sake of creating it. Yeah. And that is a that's a big part of why I love improv in general. But to also create that and then share it with your audience is so special and underrated and so rare today. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's like going back to the creator economy, you know, which I guess like I'm, I'm a part of now and it is about a hustle and you are trying to make money and it is it is a very sort of like crass commercial enterprise and like improv is not that, you know, right. like improv, it's just about trying to make magic in the moment for people. Like something else I really love about improv is even if you film it and watch it, it's, it's look, it looks horrible. You know, it, yes, it, there's yes, if you can yes. only feel it if you are in the room and then after it's over, even someone with my summarization power cannot even really summarize it, (laughs) you know? Yes. It's like a shared hallucination that only Mm -hmm. makes sense in that moment. And I just think you can never be in the moment too much. Oh, gorgeous. I mean, I'm always excited to get back to improv, get back on stage. I also do stand-up. I'm excited about getting back to that. But oh my God. Oh my God, come do stand-up for us. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely amazing right now. Can you imagine? I've been on stage two times in the last 10 months. Both times (laughs) took place in a suburb of Florida where my mom lives. I went on stage in Florida, Casey. Wait, is a a suburb of Florida like Georgia? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. No, I'm outside of Sarasota. But just like picture me and everything you've learned about me so far. And then me telling jokes in Florida and just like right. picture, visualize, put yourself in the mindset yeah. of what that might've been like for everyone I'm just involved. seeing like bottles flying at the stage. It was really something. It was more yeah. of like laughter that sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> right. A lot of people looking at their phones, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was woo. Woo boy. But it honestly, I would do it 50 more times if I could, because it was worth it to get back on stage and start working on yes, new stuff. I bet. Point being, I'm amazing at stand up right now. You heard it here first. And that's on the record as well. Okay. So Casey, if you could pick up your house and everything in it, decor, furniture, etc., and move it to a different location, would you? And where would you go? So, I mean, one, I actually do love San Francisco. You know, a lot of people come mm-hmm. here, they're allergic to it. I was actually excited yeah. when everybody started moving away during the pandemic. <laughs> I was like, fantastic. <laughs> You're just creating more space for weirdos and queer people. Like, yeah. so fantastic. More room at um, Dolores. Exactly. More room at Dolores for me. <laughs> so I love the city and I really would love to just be here forever. It, it's, it makes me happy. But... I could see a world where if I could snap my fingers and just walk out the front door and be in Mm -hmm. Hawaii, that would also Mm. be awesome. Even as somebody who doesn't like going outside and doesn't love nature, every time I've been, it's just sort of been like, what is this paradise on earth? What is it about Hawaii that grips you? There is this sense of calm. It's the mountains and it's the ocean and it's that kind of humid breeze. Hawaiian people are so incredibly chill about Mm -hmm. everything. There is just an absolute peacefulness. It is like the opposite of the Silicon Valley hustle, grind, core aesthetic. It makes me so happy. It's the most beautiful place. Have you been there? Uh Uh-huh. It's gorgeous. I would go back in a heartbeat. I love it. I love it so much. It is interesting, though, that you famously don't like summer, but that your chosen location is a place where it's summer all the time. 
Well, okay, so I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona. Is that where you're from? No, so I grew up in Southern California, but before mm, I moved okay. to San Francisco, I spent six years in Arizona writing about mm. local government, not to mm. get into my resume. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I'll cut one... it out, I'll cut it out. <laughs> okay, <edit that> out. <laughs> Thanks. But one out of every three days in Arizona is hotter than 100 degrees. <laughs> Oh my God. There's probably more than that now due to climate change. You know, I lived there for six years. You could feel it getting hotter every single year. This is from 2004 to 2010. We're 11 years past that now. You know, it's a complete nightmare all year round. So when I say that, like, I hate summer, it's with the experience of somebody who was just constantly too hot for six and a half years. Oh my God. You know? Okay, yes. And before that, I lived in the Chicago area. And so I was cold oh. for like six months out of the year. After that, I was like, take me to a place where it's always 65 degrees outside. I am tired okay. of having to think about the weather. That makes a lot of sense. Chicago, Arizona, San Francisco. You Goldilocks your location. I Goldilocks it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I mean, okay. it, it gets to the point now where it'll be like 78 here. And I'm just like, I hate this. Bring back the clouds. Really? But it's only for yeah. like two days at a time. No, last year it was hot for like three or four weeks. I was like sleeping on top of my sheets for like two weeks. It was horrible. That was a brutal couple weeks. I'll yeah. be honest. This is ridiculous, but I was so desperate and I didn't have air conditioning that I took a fan and I put it in front of a bowl of ice, like a, like ice pack <laughs> uh -huh. on, in front of the fan to see if that would help. And it, um, it didn't, which is weird. Cartoons led me to believe that if you put a fan in front of a bowl of ice, you can cool yourself. And it works? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it made you feel better at the time. <laughs> Yes, I'll try this. Instead, what I did is I laid on the ground like I was having a crisis. I may have also been having a crisis. And then I <laughs> put the ice pack just directly onto my face. And then I laid like a starfish on the floor. That helped. I think that's how like Mariah Carey dealt with exhaustion when she was going through that whole yeah. thing after glitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I may have yes. recently listened to her audiobook memoir. It's incredible. Highly okay. <laughs> Are you a lamb? I basically became one after I listened to her book. Her story is incredibly <laughs> inspiring. Like, what a talent. I should My check goodness. it out. She's inescapable. Some of those yeah. people, it's like, if you never had a choice to start listening to them, like, you resent them mm. in some way. It's like, well, I never mm. chose to be a Mariah Carey fan, and yet she's sure. everywhere. Yeah. And then you, like, hear her story, and you, like, you realize how hard she had to fight to get everything she had. You're just like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, like, you're super cool. I'm a fan now. She's great. Wow. Maybe I'll read that. Casey, who would play you in a movie about your life? And it's a two-part question. Would this be a biopic, so mm -hmm. start to current, or would it focus on a particular period of time in your life? <laughs> Interesting. I want to say Meryl Streep because I think she can do anything. Perfect. Um, Perfect. And I think she's sort of getting into a position now where people are afraid to offer her the role of a man in her 40s because yeah. they think that she can't do it. And yeah. I think she can prove them wrong. And, wow. you know... She is somebody who, when she is preparing for a role, she always keeps a secret, famously. And so I would love to watch her and then try to guess what secret about me she was keeping. You know what I mean? Like, that would be a really yes. interesting dynamic. That sounds great. Yeah. And I hope that they would make it about a period in my life because the whole biopic thing is too much to right. pack into one yes. story. I wouldn't want a biopic either. So I relate to that. So what period of time for you? I don't know that there has been a stretch of my life that mm. has been movie-worthy quite yet. Like there okay. just hasn't been quite the level of drama. So I think I want it to be about a period in the near future when platformer has really taken off and yes. then I get arrested for tax fraud and embezzlement. Beautiful. That's yeah. iconic. 
Okay, so that's coming up for you, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that Meryl will be excited to dive into that mm-hmm. type of meaty roller coaster of a role. Very meaty. I also want to encourage the screenwriters to take a lot of liberties. You know, it's like a lot yeah. of times people will get upset when there's rumors flying around about them. Mm. And I just always remember, I heard Dolly Parton say one time that she never got mad at the tabloids because she's like, well, you know, if I haven't done it, I'm sure I've thought about it or it's something <laughs> I would do. I was like, wow, that's the I right answer. I love that. I right love answer. that. Yeah, exactly. It could be true. Make that. It could make be true. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. The thing is, your journey with platformer is really interesting, but I am on a mission to put as little out there into the universe about movies happening during the pandemic time as possible. I don't want to see a single film that takes place during the pandemic. I don't want a rom-com. I don't want a drama. I don't want a thriller. None of it. Keep it to yourself. That is how I feel. You don't want to watch a disaster movie called Super Spreader Event starring like (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson trying to like, you know, get his daughter out of a choir where they're about to start practicing. I deeply do not. We are living in that world. The people who watched Contagion, there's something wrong with you. Are you one of those people? Did you watch Contagion when when the pandemic started? I could no longer basically watch any fiction during the pandemic because it was weird for me to see people enjoy yes. like, it. Yes. it. It just like made me anxious in the way, way that I can't even describe. So I yes. I literally watched 30 seasons of Survivor. Like I just <laughs> went back to the beginning and it was like, let's see about this. Yeah, fire this uh, up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then at a certain point, I was like, all right, I've like seen every challenge. I've seen every twist. Uh, yes. and so then I started watching Chop. And like, you know, I have watched a handful of other things. But like, for the most part, I just watched this sort of turn your brain off competition yes, yes. TV. I totally get that because this is the time that I got into Great British Bake Off. <laughs> yeah. But I needed it all to be okay. I needed GBBO. Also, they do it in an outdoor tent. And so you can just sort of tell yourself like, oh, wow, like, look at how safe they're being. Even though yeah, it was that recorded is, in like true. 2013. A hundred percent. Casey, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. I love it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Oh, you're nervous. Why? I feel like I have to say something funny. You the really don't. <laughs> okay. If I told you that this episode of non-technical is brought to you by a company called main street, what would you think that they did? <laughs> what do I think main street would do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime I hear something with street, I'm thinking like wall street or finance Ooh, or something. Mom and pop businesses. The town I live in has a main street. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's MainStreet.com if that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's better than BackAlley.com. Do you want to know what they do? I do, desperately. So Main Street helps venture-backed startups uncover tax credits they've never heard of in 20 minutes. That's incredible. Oh, so I was right with the finance thing. Oh my God, I see their ads on Twitter. How is anyone supposed to know where these tax credits are? A lot of the credits that they uncover are actually kind of obscure and not well-known by most CPAs. So even if you like have a CPA, it's still good to use Main Street. I have a call right after this with our head of BizOps. In all seriousness, if you're about to talk to your BizOps person, you should DM them the link. MainStreet.com. Slash not technical. Yes. Ooh. I'm going to right now. Can you hear my keyboard? You should. It's I if I had a startup, I would use them immediately. It seems like a no-brainer. And we're back with Casey Newton, the founder and editor of Platformer. Casey, we have come to a very exciting moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's the lightning round. <gasps> oh boy. I tried to come up with a cool name for that when I started the podcast and I failed. And then I've given up. So now it's the lightning round. (laughs) 
That's good. You have to come to a place of acceptance when you're building your creative properties. Thank you. It was going to be called the friends and family round as a joke about funding. See Uh, how you didn't laugh (laughs) at all until I explained it. I was like, are my friends and family going to call in and ask me, like, is this going to be a, this is your life situation? Right. Right. It was not a good name. It was not a good name. And so I gave up on that uh, after the first episode, but now it's a lightning round. Okay. Casey, coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? A little bit of sugar. Any cream, milk, milk? Lactose intolerant, actually, (gasps) believe it or not. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So no milk at all black or what are we doing? I mean, look, I do carry lactate and I will order like a mocha if I'm at a place that has an espresso bar. But if I'm just getting coffee, it'll just be a little bit of sugar. Okay. A little bit of sugar. iOS or Android? iOS. Forever and always, do you think? Yes. I think so too. I have had Android phones over the years just to sort of like test devices to like play with apps. And like every time I use one, I'm just like, I cannot wait to put this down and stop using it. I totally agree. I get confused when I use my friends' Androids. I feel like a Luddite. I can't do anything. You know what you should do? Tell me. Is you should install malware on them because it's very easy. <gasps> oh It'd be my like God. a fun prank. That is a fun, oh my God. Giving your friend malware is such a fun prank. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be like an era of this podcast where it's like really kind of prank focused, but I think that'd be like a fun thing to do with your Android friends. That's a great idea. If there's ever an offshoot, if there's ever subscriber-only content that is exclusively prank-see how we're seeding the idea, that is exclusively (laughs) prank-focused. That's a Patreon exclusive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Casey, do you have a favorite board game? Favorite board game. I mean, I like board games like Scatter Worries. Because you can have fun and prove you're smart at the same time. Exactly. Which is what is more fun than that? Honestly, it's I know it's not cool, but like Cards Against Humanity was like very fun to play. Or like Apples to Apples, you know, like uh, anything that lets me be like crazy <laughs> yes. in words is fun. Yeah. I totally agree. Have you ever read a book twice? Oh, yeah, for sure. What book? The most recent one that I reread was 100 Years of Solitude because like I read it in high school and I was like, this is my favorite book. And then I didn't read it for 20 years. And I was like, yep. I wonder if this is still my favorite book. And then yes. I read it again. I was like, this is freaking magic from start to finish. My goodness. Really? So it yeah. was, it held up. Totally held up. Incredible book. We love that. Casey, do you have a pump yeah. up song? Yeah, I do. No Church in the Wild from Watch the Throne, which, you know, obviously Kanye's canceled and problematic. I personally choose to believe that he died, you know, five to six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Man, there's just that like, it's like, oh, I just love walking around town listening to that song. And what would you title your memoir? What would I title my memoir? Probably like gossip in like all caps with an exclamation point. Yeah. <laughs> like who doesn't want to read gossip, you know? That is a great point. I want to read yeah. that. It sells itself, right? Because it, it answers yeah. the question, what is this book? About? You know, because like every other writer wants to do a memoir that's like, Things better left unsaid, a chronicle oh of life yes. in Silicon Valley. No, just to be gossip. Gossip. That's the book. Yeah. That sounds great. And then you can, if you ever needed to write another one, it could be like scandal. Yes, you exactly. Just keep going. <laughs> Debauchery. Debauchery. Uh huh. Yeah. Orgy. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> this is perfect. Casey. Thank you so much for joining me as a guest on Non-Technical. Where can people find you on the internet? I'm over on Twitter at Casey Newton. And you can find my website at platformer.news, which sounds like a fake website, but I promise if you type it into your uh, browser, it'll resolve. And how cool would that be for you? It would be certainly cool for me when I do it later. And I think it sounds like a real website because my (laughs) URL is (laughs) alexis.gay. I'm like, as a gay man, how do I not have a a dog gay website for myself? After this, I can tell you more about it, actually. Please do. Am I the first gay man to be on the show, by the way? 
Let me do an inventory. Yeah, because I know you ask all guests before when they're filling out the I application. Do, it it is typically on. part of the questionnaire. Yeah. Could you please tell, <laughs> like, tell me first more? question, are you gay? Yeah. Are you gay? That's right. There are no yeah. other options. It's actually a checkbox. Yeah. It's are you gay? Mm-hmm. Yes, no. Yeah, look, you're Alexis Gay. You can ask that. You are the first gay man to be on the podcast. I love that. It's gay on that. gay podcasting. Gay on gay podcasting, famously yeah. what we're both known for. <laughs> what we're both known for. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. Casey, thank you again. This has been so fun. It has been so fun. And I'm glad we discovered our mutual love of improv and that we're friends now and that you can do stand-up uh, with us in the aftertimes. And I'm going to make us a reservation. And we are going to get that fifth person at the table. (laughs) Yes, we are. Have a great day, Casey. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh boy, I have a review to read. This one comes from Giuliano.y. Congrats to the IPO, Ideal Podcast Offering. Five stars. This podcast is a great step-up opportunity for listeners to learn more about the non-technical parts of tech entrepreneurs' lives. Alexis is doing a fantastic job in driving this project forward. At Alexis, let's circle back on the podcast rollout for Q3. Hopefully, we can implement as many features as possible before code freeze. Giuliano.y, I love this review. Thank you so very much. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and hop on over to iTunes, leave me a little tech lingo, a little corpse speak, and you might hear your review on the next episode. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye.